0: Lord, as we come before you this evening, I just wanna thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time, Lord, time set aside that we can get together, Lord, to get first into your word, Lord, to seek your guidance, to seek your counsel. Lord, we love you so much. We just wanna be in your will. So help us, Lord, as we go through this. Help me, Lord, to speak your words. My my, my opinions and thoughts uh, not matter, Lord. We just wanna focus on what you would have for us tonight. So we love you, Lord, and we give it all to you now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. On the screen, you'll see the look. Interesting, isn't it? I, I really, at first, wanted eyes facing out, but when I seen that, I got to think that's more the way we are rather than focused out. A couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to teach on a Wednesday night, and I was gonna do a message on, on uh, Moses and parting the Red Sea, and All that anyway I got I got really pretty sick and so I swapped with Pastor Brian and so I've had a couple extra weeks to think about it and stuff and God has kind of led me down a different path and I want to kind of share that path with you real quick about how this came together well I kind of have you guys know I'm a little different anyway right can I get an amen? amen all right so Generally, when there's somebody in a sound booth on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whatever night we're here, I walk in and I kind of crouch down and I, and I go along the board there. And it's either like Terry Herman or Lisa or Dave Hall or, or even Brandon will be back there. And, and I'll go down and I'll just kind of come up like that to where my just my eyeballs are showing. And I got to thinking about it because I get different responses I don't get the same response all the time. Sometimes I'll come up like that and, and, they'll, and they'll, they won't see me. They'll be so busy working on the things that they're working on, which they should be, that they don't see me there. The idea is that we don't get to lock eyes right away. And then the other times I'll walk up and I'll go like that and we instantly lock eyes. And it's really cool. When you, have you ever locked eyes with somebody? Turn to your neighbor and lock eyes with them just for the heck of it. It's really kind of weird, huh? It's kind of, when you do it, it's kind of, you're looking in. You know, they say the eyes are the windows to, this, to your soul. And so that's, that's kind of part of the reason how this, this message came about. And then the other part of it is where I came, where I came from, my old church, there was, a, there was a guy there that had the ability to look into your eyes and just about tell you what's going on. And I gotta tell you, at first, I was, it was scary. It was scary to think that somebody could look at me and see the dirt inside me. Because really, there's a lot of dirt, right? I mean, we try to clean it out. We try to do the best we can to wash it out. But there, we still have residual. And I always felt like he could see it, that he knew it. Because he would come up to me and he would say, John, it's going to be okay. God's got your back. So I thought of him, I thought of him when I was putting this message together. How do you think that it would you would feel to lock eyes with the creator? Wow. We're going to look at a couple people in the scriptures that got to lock eyes, that got to lock eyes, and their lives were forever changed. Now, we know that we're not necessarily gonna get to lock eyes because we're not walking with Jesus in the flesh, you know. But it's your perspective on things, right? God does talk to us in different ways. He ministers to us in different ways. And that might be the look, if you will, the look is that, that little spoken voice that he gives you, the, the person that comes up to you and gives you a little word of knowledge or something along those lines where God speaks to you. You open up the pages of, of the Bible and all of a sudden they jump out at you and God is speaking to you. It's that perspective. It's interesting that we're living in a world right now that's really kind of strange Good is bad and bad is good. Right is wrong, wrong is right. And with that we see a lot of people in despair. Suicides, 47,000 last year reported suicides. Three and a half times that attempted suicide reported but didn't, didn't go all the way through. And that doesn't even count. All the ones that came that were unreported, that got through the cracks. There's depression. There's anxiety. There's stress and there's worry and there's all these things. And people are searching. They're searching for something to fill that void. And when they can't find what they're looking for, they attempt these things. They go off the deep end. They they feel useless, hopeless. Ever been there? You ever felt useless, hopeless, not worth two nickels to rub together? Well, that's what happens. But there's something that happens to us when we lock eyes with the Creator. There's something that happens to us when we lock arms with the Creator. There's something happens to us inside when we recognize that we can't do things on our own anymore. We're going to look at a couple people tonight that we're going to see this. If you'll open your Bibles to John chapter 4. I know it says one. We're going to get there. I've changed it around a little bit. It's not a big deal. What I like about God... is that he sees from the heart to eternity. He sees us where we should be, and we see ourselves where we really are, and a lot of times we're in bad, bad places. He doesn't see what you were, but he sees what you can be when you come to the saving knowledge and grace when you meet him face to face, when you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, I may be talking to, you know, everybody in this room may be saved. Everybody in this room may have a personal relationship with him. But I gotta, I gotta tell you this, that when we get to the last story in John, and you'll know the story because he denied him three times. You'll know the story because in another chapter in Matthew, he took his eyes off of him and he sank. You know who I'm talking about. So the idea what I'm saying is that we need to be always fixed. When Christ was here, he was fixed on the cross. Because that was his destination, the cross for you and me. For us, our destination is eternal life with him. And it's recognizing that and accepting it and following his ways. These people that I talk about with all their depression and anxiety, if they would just turn to the creator, they could be healed. They could be delivered. How many of you have been delivered? Been delivered from something. When God came into your life, He delivered you from something, even if it wasn't from your own self. Amen? Amen. Let's look at John chapter four. Be a lot of reading, but I'm gonna to try to highlight some stuff. So just kind of bear with me, okay? okay. Verse seven, chapter four, verse seven. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Mark that. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, underline that, and it is he who says to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. She didn't get it. And the well is deep. Side note, she will get it. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered answered, said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give them shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty and come all the way to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. What I like about this right here is she's being honest and upfront. So there's hope for her. Amen. Amen. For you have had five husbands and the one you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive, or I have become aware, or I believe that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and people would say that in Jerusalem, in the place where men ought to worship, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the fathers seek to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Here is starting of an intimate conversation between two people. Now you've got to remember that his disciples have taken off to buy supplies. you got to remember who this woman was. She was an outcast in her own town. Many husbands, even the other women in the community, didn't want nothing to do with her. In fact, she would go at high noon in the heat of the day when nobody else was around to draw her water. So, so, So she wasn't a very popular person in her community. So I say that to say this is that in this moment in time, it's a God-appointed time. And God has an appointed time with each and every one of us. In verse 27 it says, at this point, at this point, there was that point in time when they were talking face to face. Now it doesn't say it, and you just take it for what it's worth, read into it, search the scriptures for yourself but I see them sitting there having an intimate conversation talking about what's going on. I see them locking eyes and talking because there's, a, there's something that's going to take place in her life. See, right now she's an outcast. She's useless. She's worthless. A woman in those days was worth, worth nothing. But she was going to be something in just a few minutes or whatever the time frame was. I don't know how many minutes or whatever. Because that thing that was useless is now going to be useful in the kingdom. Why? Let's read. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he would speak with a woman. Yet no one said, why do you speak? Or uh, why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out to the city and they were coming to him. I want to stop right there for a second because I had a real problem with this for a while. And I'm not sure, it's be honest with you, it doesn't say, so I'm just going to give you my conjecture for whatever it's worth. You study it and look at it yourself. But I, had, I was questioning her when she says, Is this not Christ? Is it? To me that says, at first I'm going, wow. Maybe there's some doubt in there. Maybe there's some doubt, but then she goes on and she goes to the, uh, in verse 39, from the city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of her word. And I got to thinking, and that's dangerous. Yeah, trust me, it's dangerous. But I got to thinking, and that's just gonna sound a little crazy, but I was remembering a time in my younger days which was a long, long time ago. In fact, some of you, or some of you may or may not know the people I'm gonna talk about. A long, long time ago, I went to a concert at the Palladium in Hollywood. We went to the concert, it was really great, had a great time, and there's a Norm's restaurant right outside, I remember this. That's crazy, because I can't remember yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> but I remember this. We went into Norms and we got a table and we're set down and we're looking around. And I looked over and I said, "That's not Paul Revere and the Raiders, is it?" <laughs> Duh! And it was. It was Paul Revere and the Raiders. See, who remembers Paul Revere and the Raiders? Come on now. Yeah, we're <laughs> they were cool. They were cool, man. I love the power of her. Anyway, let, let's get back to, let's get back there. So the point being is that, is that she was an outcast, had zero value. And now, in verse 39, from that city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I had done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay, with him and he stayed there two days. And many more believed on his word. One of the points I wanna make out of this first section is that number one is it doesn't matter about your past. It does not matter what your past. God is not so much concerned about your past as he is about your future. He doesn't care necessarily where you've been He cares about where you're going. Amen? Amen. So the point of the one to make out of this is we need to examine ourselves. Am I in this picture? And I'm not going to get into my testimony, but this is my story. This is my song. This is my no, all the day long. I had an intimate conversation with Jesus in a jail cell. An intimate conversation with Jesus in a jail cell. Thought I had no value. Worthless, useless, never amounted to Hill of Beans. Here i in jail. And what happens when you surrender your life over to him? It doesn't specify or speak boldly about whatever happened to her. But I've got to believe that when you have an encounter like that with, with God himself, That things will change and they will stay changed. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe that she stayed changed. That she didn't go back to her old ways. But we have to ask ourselves, right? We have to look at ourselves in these things, man. We have to ask ourselves the tough questions and sometimes it's hard. Where do I fit into the scheme of this? This this book is applicable for all of us. Any given day. Am Am I that person that And going through the the things of doubt and self worth, and man, am I afraid to do this and that because I'm I'm just unqualified? You have to examine yourself in these things. I have to do it all the time. I'm my own worst critic, I'm my own worst enemy. But I know that I have a God that's on my side, He doesn't care what I did in the past cares about where I'm going in the future and I like what happened to her she changed and she didn't sit on it she didn't just sit on it she got up and she went into town and she started telling everybody telling all the men I find it kind of interesting that the men would even listen to her but they did remember the women were subservient they were they were nothing They had no value, especially this woman, many husbands, living with another. But they listened to her. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Man. So be it, so let it be done. I guess I just get my own jokes (laughs) because I want to move on I want to move on I don't want to get hung up there too long because I got another story for you I want you to go to Luke chapter 19 among the Jewish people the the publicans were about the worst of the worst they were considered traitors and as the hirelings of the Roman army of occupation. It was they who purchased the right to collect taxes and profited from the misfortune of their own people. Consequently, they were excluded from the, from the synagogues and from all the acceptable social contact with the Jewish people. They were, if you will, or they, he was a social outcast. He didn't see his value. He had no value until now. Let's listen. Let's read 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Red line. And he was rich. Red line. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried, and he came down, and he received him gladly. When they when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be with a guest, be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Shame on you. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost so we see he was a social outcast he was rich he was short he couldn't see over the crowd the background even with the background of this guy there was a planned meeting with the Creator There was a planned meeting, and the planned meeting is up in a tree. Give me a break. Would you climb a tree to meet somebody? Man, if it was Jesus, yes. Yeah. Unlikely place for this meeting in a tree, but in verse 5 it says he looked. And this particular meaning here in the Strong's, it says, look up, or to receive sight, Now I want you to go with me, Will, if you will, in this and picture it. It says that the streets are crowded. He's a little dude, can't see over the crowd. So he comes up with this idea that he's gonna climb up in a tree. He would do something, whatever it had to be, to get a look at the Messiah to get a look at Jesus. He would do whatever he had to do. And for him, it was to climb a tree. That's the only way. Here's the interesting part. See, Jesus already knew. Jesus was already gonna look at him, he already knew it. But when it says to look, I think, for whatever that's worth, that Zacchaeus got received enough sight or enough to be able to look to be able to see Jesus, not only to see Jesus, but to be transformed in that moment. You hear me? To be transferred in that moment, because he, Jesus says, you come down, I'm going to your house. And he got down and he got with them and they started, and they didn't even get down the road. And he's already coughing up confessions. He's already saying, I'm gonna give back, I'm gonna give back, I'm gonna give back. So there was a transformation that took place when they locked eyes again. It's the key, the things I want to keep talking about, the locking of the eyes. I say right there when I say that, it looks to me like it's shifting. You're afraid to lock eyes. Are you afraid to lock eyes with Jesus tonight? Are you want to meet him face to face? Are you willing to climb a tree? Are you willing to take a stand? for him when he seen Jesus it changed his life something about seeing Jesus affects us that way now I've never seen Jesus face to face but I've seen his workings face to face we are all testimonies of his work We are all his works in progress. This building that was given to living truth is a testimony of a living God who loves us that much. Why? Verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. i got news for you, we were all lost. See, Zacchaeus had money, ill-gotten money. He probably had a nice pad. I don't know what his house looked like. But it's one thing that he didn't have. He didn't have any peace. He didn't have any joy. He didn't have any hope. It's kind of like being a drug dealer. You got no peace, you got no hope. You got money, but you got no peace, you got no hope. You're just waiting to get locked up. And I think for him, he was probably being a tax collector, you just wait for somebody to knock him on the head. So I have to ask the question you know, when we go through these stories, is that me? Where, where am I in this story? Now, would I, would I climb the tree? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily climb a tree, but I would get on my knees in a jail cell. just can't help but think and stand in awe and wonder about how this creator loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross. And you know what that is. You guys are preaching to the choir. But sometimes I even think the choir forgets. Sometimes the choir forgets the words. Sometimes the band forgets the words. Sometimes we've got to be reminded. Sometimes we've got to be prodded and poked and just reminded of the grace that we have been afforded. It is so easy to get on a pity pot, so easy. Oh, I don't feel good. And, yeah, I don't feel good. But, man, there is somebody else a lot worse off than I am. We've got some people in the hospital right now, in and out of the hospital. And here I want to whine because I don't feel good because i got a little headache. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, it's just reality, right? So go now with me to John. Back to John, chapter 1. 35 and again i already gave you the you know you guys already know who this is but i want to pull out a couple of i think interesting interesting things in this so it says in verse 35 again the next day john was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at jesus as he walked and he said behold the lamb of god the two disciples heard him speak and they followed jesus And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, and it was about the tenth hour, so about ten o'clock in the morning. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, or the Anointed One, which is translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus and looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, or the rock. A couple things. Jesus looked at Peter, and he knew something different about him. He looked at him. He locked eyes with him. He looked at him. The idea here in both places where it says looked at in verse 35 and and Jesus looked in verse 42 have a different meaning than the other. It means to look at with the mind, to lock eyes, or to turn one's eyes on. So they had locked eyes and they had locked minds together and Jesus over here or in the first part Jesus looked, or looked at Jesus and he walked and he said behold the Lamb of God and when I look at this I picture, I picture I picture him over here and I picture Jesus walking and Jesus is walking down and he turns and they just lock eyes and he goes behold the Lamb of God Gives me chills, because because here he is, the Creator in flesh, Jesus. They're walking with him, and he recognizes Peter, and he sees something in Peter. But listen, Peter has defects. He has defects. We have defects. But he still used him. He called him the rock. He's going to build his church on the rock. Is that you? Your church can be in your home. Your church can be in your work. Your church can be wherever you are. Are you the church? Are you the rock? He says, behold the Lamb of God. And then he says, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon. The idea is that he looked and they locked eyes. And they changed his name to Peter, to the rock. But like I said, we, when we think about Peter, Peter was not perfect, but God had chosen him. God had chosen him out of all the other people that were there, he looked right into him and said, I'm going to call you Peter, the rock. I'm going to build my church. And I'm just wondering, I'm thinking out loud, okay? So play with me. How many times has Jesus looked at you, or me, I, said, I, want, to build, I want to build my church on you. And we look like that. Hmm, me? Uh, You're not talking to me. If I don't lock eyes, I don't have to acknowledge. I think God has said a lot of things to a lot of us and we sometimes don't listen. I think that God has said a lot of things to a lot of us and we don't want to obey. Because a couple of reasons. One, it takes us out of our comfort zone. It's real comfort in my seat right here. But I don't think he calls us just to sit in our seat. In fact, I would venture to say that he calls all of us to be a type or an evangelist. That doesn't necessarily mean going door to door, standing on a street corner, It just means being an ambassador for Christ wherever you're at. How many of us do that? How many of us do that? How many of us will talk to people in a restaurant? How many of us will do that? So I just want to show you back up to uh, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, to Luke 22. 61 and 62. 22, 61, 62. Wow. There it is. It's a long ways over here. It says this because I just got through telling you that Peter failed. You and I are not the only ones that fail. This message is about not about your failures, as much as it is about your successes, although we have to acknowledge our failures, right? We have to acknowledge it. we don't acknowledge it, we can't deal with it, and we can't get out of it, and we can't move on. So you'll remember 61 you remember this? He, Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him three times. three times. The Lord turned to Peter in verse 60 and 61. Um, lost there. The Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him. Sometimes we just forget. Peter had forgot. Or did he? I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> but what about us? Do we forget or do we just not want to follow direction? He was already told in advance that he was going to do this. He didn't have to do this. But he did it. In Matthew chapter 14 you can go there if you want to in verse 28 this is where Jesus is walking on the water and Peter says Lord if it's you tell me to come and I'll come and so you know the story he steps out on the water and he's walking towards Jesus and what happens the winds come up the winds come up and he gets distracted here's my thought As long as you're keeping your eyes focused on Jesus, as long as you're keeping your eyes focused on the cross and the things that he wants you to do, you're going to be in his will and you're not going to sink. You're not going to stumble. You're not going to fall. It's when we take our eyes off of the prize, we take our eyes off the cross that we sink and we fall. So all of this to say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do as a body? We are a body, aren't we? We're connected. We're in the same race together. I'm going to close with Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. therefore we have since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on what say it jesus Jesus. come on church the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When I think back about the Samaritan woman, I rejoice. I rejoice because I see hope. A past like she had, and now a future that's brightened. When I look at Zacchaeus, tax collector, hated, But even by his own people, it was hated. Now has converted, has changed, has given his life, has surrendered. Now has hope. He has a hope and a future. We all have a hope and a future that we never had before. So So when I opened this, I was talking about suicide rates, and I was talking about depression and anxiety. A lot of that, not all, because some of it is actually medical, but a lot of that can be eliminated just by being in sync with the cross. Just by having your eyes focused on the cross, on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. And it's not easy. Fail miserably. But he picks me back up. And he picks you back up. And he says, come on, let's do it again. It's a little swat on the butt. Okay, let's do it again. So question, where are you at? Where are you at in all this? Are you the Samaritan woman? Are you the tax collector? Are you Zacchaeus? Are you Peter who's stumbling around Every so often, taking his eyes off of Christ and denying him and all that. I look at that and go, man, I must be in a pretty good spot. If Peter, who was with him, stumbles and falls, then well, I'm sure I would stumble and fall as well. So it kind of gives me hope. You know, kind of gives me hope in the sense that, that God still loves me. He still loves me even when I falter. Even when the stupid things come out of my mouth. Even when I do stupid things, he still loves me. So would you bow your heads, please? Lord, as we come before you this evening, Lord, I would just like to ask each and every person here Lord, to examine themselves, to see where they're at in these stories. Are they stumbling around? Are you stumbling? Maybe you just can't seem to get a grasp on where you need to get back to. You just need a little help. Maybe you are afraid to climb up that tree so that you can see Jesus again. Or maybe you're afraid just to kind of look him into the eye, look in his eyes because you know that he's going to see everything. Newsflash, he already knows. He already knows our failures, our faults. And he still loves us. Sometimes we just got to recognize them though. Sometimes we have to acknowledge them. And that's what I'm going to ask. I'm not going to ask you to get up and make a public acknowledgement. But if that's you and you got some junk in your trunk that you want to just lay at the altar tonight, just would you raise your hand? Just stick your hand up. And then we'll just pray that God would deliver you, take it away from you, set you back on the right path. Or God's a good God. So Lord, as we conclude the service, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for each and everyone here. I pray for their walks, Lord. I pray that they would continually keep their focus on you. I pray that we all would, Lord, that we would continually seek your face moment by moment, minute by minute, every hour of the day. Our desire, Lord, is your desire. So instill instill that in us, May we just not be hearers, but doers. Thank you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.